Good morning for the Met Radio Morning Mixtape. I am Donovan LaCroixy, and debuting on the show, I've got actor Masood Alafanye. How you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing good. I hope I got that last name right, brother. Uh, you almost there, Olufani. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's okay. I think that's your French. That's your French coming in, Olufani. <laughs> okay, yes. <laughs> all right all right all right well you know what (laughs) listeners he set the record straight listen you are an actor right you are a writer we were debut um debating offline about producer i still think you're a producer but you say no you had one credit you know what i'm saying brother you want to set that record straight with the listeners well, I mean, I, I'm a I'm a, a producer on the podcast I do, which is called Undaunted. So, and that's a um, you know, it's a professional podcast uh, in the in the virtual sphere. Uh, so, at, when I say I have one production credit, that's what I mean. Um, I would imagine that you know, someone would argue that some of my performance work as an artist, uh, which engages. Uh, some acting as well as some visual work. I've also done some production there, but I mean, I would not describe myself as a producer per se. I think I'm more a performer first, a visual artist, and I do some other things as well, but that's, yeah, that's just the way I would frame it. People might have a different idea. All right, writer too, right? Because you'd say, okay, all right. So, but don't the writing and producing kind of go hand in hand sometimes? They can, yeah. Um, certainly, I mean, a lot of my writing has been article-based. I am uh, currently finishing up a manuscript for my first uh, book, which will be a memoir. Um, so, you know, the writing can. I mean, I've done done. Um, I did a. I created a one-act play about the life of Frederick Douglass, which will now be performed at Hudson Valley Opera in the fall. Which I'll be traveling up to New York to for rehearsals and to perform that. Um, so, I mean, that you know, uh, I, I suppose in some sense. Um, uh, uh, you know, that is, um, you know, one can view that as kind of like being on the production slash writing side as well. But uh, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of how it is. <laughs> All right. How did you get into the industry? How did you decide you wanted to go into the arts? I've been in the arts since I was four years old, primarily as a visual artist. That's um how I was trained. Uh, I started drawing when I was four years old, and then I went to uh, art school in high school and went to art school in college and graduate school. While in graduate school, well, let me back up just a little bit. In high school and grade school, I was doing like some school plays, and I enjoyed that part of it too. And then in graduate school, I answered an ad for a production of The Meeting, which is about a fictitious meeting between Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X, and I got cast as Malcolm X. And then the play got reviewed very well, and then I was able to get an agent, and then I started going on television and film auditions, and that's how the professional side of that started. My father, on the other hand, will tell you that I've been acting a fool since I was four years old. I just recently figured out how to get paid for it, that's all. (laughs) Are you, what do you call, do you feel, what do you call it, you're at, where you're at in your career now? Like, paid comfortably? Yeah, I, 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 it's amazing, but I earn a living as an artist. Um, I have never had to work any kind of office job, thank God. I mean, I waited tables for 10 to 12 years, so I suppose I paid my dues there. Um, but yeah, I'm fortunate. I, I um, am in a space where um, I am able to make what I love be at the center of my life and not live at the periphery of my life. So I'm fortunate that way. 
Yeah. Okay. All right. So what projects have we been in? Because we've been in some TV shows. We've been in some movies. We seem like we've mm-hmm. done it all. Yeah. I mean, I enjoy I enjoy acting. I enjoy performing. I enjoy the opportunity to perform. I, I, you know, like most actors, I think I love the stage first because the response is immediate. Television and film is its own kind of particular animal with lots of cuts and retakes and all that sort of thing. And of course, you don't see the audience. Um, it's just the eye of Sauron in the form of the camera that you have to interact with. But um, I, you know, I I have enjoyed my time in television and film. Um, I enjoy my time on stage, especially. And um, so, yeah, it's 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 all fun, man. It's, it's all fun. It's play for pay. So you're getting paid to kind of play around the way that you did when you were a kid. You're just doing it in a professional setting, which, uh, you know, is, is still fun. Um it's fun to get paid for it, for sure. Definitely. Okay. Play for pay, meaning, right. what do you call, were we in the quad? Were we in what TV shows? Were we in Nashville? Being Mary Jane, um, I did, um, oh gosh, I can't remember all of them, actually, which is bad. Desperate uh, Desperate Housewives. Wow. Uh, um, Devious Maids. Uh, yeah, there's been a number of them. Um, I can't remember them. I did um, Greenleaf, which was very popular for a while um yeah i've done a number of them i i actually can't remember them all uh so you you remember the quad (laughs) i do remember (laughs) all right how was that right so i worked with uh, nika noni rose broadway uh television and film actress who's very talented loved working with her Um, and also just a very um lovely person um we did have a love scene together which was kind of nerve-wracking to negotiate that kind of intimate um setting with another actor um and we both i think uh well my main concern in that scenario i was nervous and i also was concerned about her well-being but um you know you you do what you have to do and we got through it okay and um you know yeah yeah it was it was it was a lot of fun all in all all right and then after two seasons the quad was cut right yes 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 all right well i hope it comes back what do you think about tv shows that do come back oh i mean it's great i mean it's 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 good it's steady employment if you can if you can get it that's always good plus residual checks are always nice it's always nice to go to your mailbox and there's like a check in it um i love that the surprise part of acting because you never know when those residual checks are coming um you can you can kind of tell about time of year but there are also times that they pop up that you're just surprised so that's always nice but um yeah, I mean, television shows are great as long as the character development and the writing is good and the character has an arc um, that feels um, natural and organic like life, then that's always that's always fun to do. Um, I don't usually take on film or television projects unless the writing is good. I really am a big writing person. So if I can't find it on the page, I'm not going to try and invent it on screen. Um, it's the writer has to have done a, a, a competent job of um, drafting their characters in a storyline for me to be excited about the role. But why not? Isn't it acting? It is, but it's like... You know, for an acting or a project to work well, everybody has to be doing um, work to the best of their ability. And it has to be work that I think um, challenges you as an actor. And I'm just not interested in doing work that's not challenging. I don't have to do it. It's not like I'm desperate to do it. So I I don't I've said no to a number of things. I won't get into what projects I've said no to because I just didn't think it was on the page. And I'm just not going to do that kind of work. I'm not interested. 
interested in it. All right. Well, it just makes you think outside the box where you can bring that character to life. But I, again, mm-hmm. I respect that decision. You have the mm-hmm. right to say no if you are uncomfortable. But mm-hmm. you did not say no to a lovemaking scene. Are there certain scenes that you're very uncomfortable with? Well, I mean, I'm not really into nudity. It's not my thing. Um, I, uh, I I think a lot of times nudity is unnecessary to tell the story, uh, particularly when it feels like in a project where it's just gratuitous. It's like, okay, why is this even here? It's not necessary to tell the story. You can say it in a different way that still conveys the same thing. So I'm not into like salacious nudity that is not driving a story. Of course, there are some storylines and some um, some situations where nudity actually helps um, to tell a story. I, I'm thinking, for example, in something like Steven Spielberg's Schindler's List, when you have these scenes where um, uh, members of the Jewish community are being showered down in the concentration camps. You have to show the nudity there. It's no way to tell that part of the story without. So that, to me, is the difference between sometimes when it's necessary and when it's not necessary. I'm just not really into films that tell shows that um show it when it's not necessary so that's right. that's my thing yeah. all right and what about what do you got what if you had to kiss another man would you do that that's not my story to tell um i'm not um and i'm not saying that those stories aren't worthy of being told everybody has a story that needs to be told that's just not my story to tell i accept that and i hope other people accept that um accept the fact that i that that is my decision mm-hmm I just ask because, you know, there are actors these days that do have Mm -hmm. to. Well, I'm not saying they have to, but these days where they do have to kiss a member of the same sex. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's fine if that's what you choose to do. Mm-hmm. Again, it's not my story to tell. So I don't I don't. Um, it's like a white person trying to tell um, a black narrative and they don't happen to be African-American. I'm like, you know, it's it's one thing if you're a director, or a producer behind the scenes. And I've seen white producers, white directors do that very well. There's the sensitivity to the community. Um, they're curious about the community in a really meaningful way and they can get the information and develop, you know, those projects in an effective way. But but it's another thing when a white actor is trying to play a black person and putting on black. I just it's not something it's not their story to tell. So I don't I'm not homosexual. It's not my that's not my lifestyle. So it's not my story to tell. So I accept that about myself and I hope other people accept it about me, too. Oh, of course. I <laughs> know yeah. we're not asking you that. <laughs> I'm just yeah. saying, what do you call it? I'm just asking because, what do you call it? There are actors that are uncomfortable with certain scenes, certain, like you said, too yeah. much nudity is just not your thing. And yeah. what do you call it? But can you get blackballed if you refuse certain things? Because there are some actors that might be concerned they would get blackballed if they don't do this nudity scene or if they don't kiss someone of the same sex. I'm sure some of that is legit. Legitimate and may happen. I just don't. I just refuse to be a prisoner to that. Mm-hmm. If somebody wants to blackball me because um, of a choice of an ethical choice that I'm making for my own life, then so be it. Let them blackball me. I really don't care. I mean, I have there are other things that I've been fortunate enough to do that, and I've always been a kind of person to have a diversified kind of professional engagement. So I have a certain amount of freedom as a result of that. So I'm not threatened by the industry blackballing me because someone says, "Well, he wouldn't do this. He wouldn't do that." If that's the price, then so be it. I I, I don't worry about not being able to pay my bills or to live, um, you know, um, a comfortable life. That's fortunately for me, that has not that is not um, something that is a uh, 
at risk for me in that way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Were you a recipient winner of some type of win- winning you did? Uh, what do you mean? In, w- in what sense? What do you mean? You were, what do you call it? I was looking at your bio and two, what do you call it? Were you a winner of something in the college? I've won, I mean, I've won a number of things. I mean, um, yeah, I can't, to be honest, that stuff is in my bio. I can't remember all of it. Um, I, um, I'm excited about, um, I guess the thing that I'm excited about right now is my work was, as a visual artist, was accepted into the Dakar Biennale in Senegal, West Africa. So I'll be West Africa. Okay, that's... Senegal, West Africa. Yeah. Let's see. I'll be traveling there in May okay. um, for the exhibition and to spend about two weeks in Senegal. And then I'll be going to um, Sierra Leone to do some research. So uh, that's the thing that I'm excited about now. Um, and then I've gotten, you know, teaching fellowships here and there and artists and residents at different institutions. I'm teaching a class now at Morehouse College, which is my alma mater. It's where I graduated undergraduate school from. Um, so those kind of opportunities present themselves. And it's good to be in those spaces working with young people and giving giving something back to the next generation. So Okay. Yeah. What do you say to young people that want to, what do you call it, do some type of work like that? Mm-hmm. I just encourage them. Um, I, um, yeah, ask them questions. Why do you want to do this? Why are you interested in being an artist? Is this something you have to do or just something that you're curious about? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to be supportive and encouraging most of all. I think we're far too selfish in our society when it comes to encouragement and, you know, and and just kind of, you know, uh, encouraging one another to... Uh, if we have a goal, a specific goal that we're passionate about, to stay focused on that goal. And um, sometimes it's difficult to believe in yourself until other people believe in you. And um, I think it's important to um, to give that gift to each other when we can. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you're definitely giving that gift. And what do you call it? 2018, the redevelopment of the historic David T. School in Atlanta, the Southern mm-hmm. Arts Prize. Did you want to talk about that's what I meant? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I won a Southern Arts Prize, which is a big award that they have uh, in the Southeast United States. Uh, uh, fellows are selected from each city. I was selected for the state of Georgia for that year. Um, and it's it's an award for visual artists. Um, they recognize your work. Um, then I got I got asked to I got commissioned to do a large outdoor sculpture for the David T. Howard School, which is here in Atlanta, which was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s elementary school. Uh, it was an institution. Yeah, it was an institution that was originally founded to educate the children of enslaved people after the Civil War during the uh, Reconstruction um, era, because there was there was only one other school in the city of Atlanta that would take in black students. So David T. Howard became the second. And uh, I was asked to create this sculpture to coincide with the unveiling of the uh, renovation of the building. So, yeah. Wow, wow, wow. And given that it is Black History Month, what do you want to tell mm-hmm. our black people? Well, I mean, I want to tell not only black folks, but everybody that black history is everybody's history, as everybody else's history is everybody's history. So um, black history is, um, you know, it, it's, it's part of, it is a chapter in the larger uh, human narrative. And as such, uh, we should look at the heroes and heroines uh, who happen to present in with black skin as people of African descent as heroes for us all. 
Um, and so that's what I would say, that those heroes and heroines are um, not just right for the Black community, but right for all communities. And we should know um, the history of as many groups in our society as we possibly can, Indigenous, Asian, Latino, everything. We should know as much as we can. And that that goes a long way to helping us build a society that is uh, more inclusive, more unified, more accepting, and more loving. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, what do you say to people that say, is it relevant to keep doing dwelling on the past history of Black people when Black people have come a long way. Well, I, I, it, that depends on what you mean a long way. I would say that it's important. There's a there's a powerful symbol in West African culture called um, Sankofa. It's part of the pantheon of symbols known as Adinkra. Sankofa means that in order to understand your present and know where you're going, you must know your past. If we're going to chart a better history, a better, a better future for ourselves, a more inclusive society, a society that's more just, then we have to know from whence we've come so that we cannot make the same mistake so that we can also learn from the good things that were done and incorporate that into the future. Um, but it gives us a better framework, a more knowledgeable, a more um, learned and intelligent framework um, from which to um, create and build something uh, new that addresses our challenges and our issues today. So I think it's critical to know our past and our history, no matter how painful. It's like in a family where you have family secrets, those families suffer and they have difficulty functioning in a healthy way because there, there may be holding on to some terrible secrets and everybody's afraid to talk about it. And I think it's critical to be able to talk about those things in order to heal them and to um, coalesce around, um, you know, um, bandaging and uh, healing those wounds. It's critical. So, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we've come along. I still think we've come a, w- a long way as black people. Mm-hmm. I think we have come a long way. Certainly, I would not want to live in the same reality as my ancestors on both sides of my family. We are the descendants of enslaved people. I certainly would not want to live that way. But I also certainly think we still have a long way to go. Um, And as I hold those two realities, that's the challenge, isn't it? To hold those two realities. On the one hand, acknowledging the progress we've made and then also recognizing the distance that we have yet to go. So I try to do both of those things at the same time. I don't think they're incompatible. I actually think they are... um, uh, fundamentally compatible and intrinsically bound one with the other. Mm-hmm. Now, Martin Luther King's son had passed away a few weeks ago. What were your thoughts of him? Because given that the school, what do you call it, is in Atlanta, what was your thoughts of Martin Luther King's son? You know, I just felt bad for the family. I mean, they've suffered a lot. I know his sister, Bernice, she's a sweet woman. Um, I um, was in Atlanta when Coretta Scott King passed away and saw the outpouring of love and support that the community, um, you know, really um, expressed uh, for the King family. Um, and so, you know, with him passing, with um, Dexter passing, it's just uh, it's just another blow for a family that has seen so much suffering. You know, after, after Martin died, I mean, his mother was shot to death in church playing the piano, playing the organ. Um, and, you know, then you then his uh, eldest sister, Bernice's, Bernice's big sister, Yolanda, she died about 20 years ago. And now her younger brother has just passed. So it's just a lot of suffering that a family has had to endure. And uh, I just wish them wish them well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, what's your message? What do you want to tell listeners about your projects or awards or stuff in the community about philanthropy work or etc.? What do you want to tell them? Uh, I want to encourage everybody to find a way to serve and serve in whatever capacity or way that is. Find an opportunity to use your gifts and your talents to make 
that little segment of the world, which is your community, a better place. And if we can all focus on doing that, we will be amazed at how transformative our impact can be in society and the world at large. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, did you want to s- shout out the Hambridge Center for Arts and Science? Oh, shout out to Hambridge. It's a great place. I had an opportunity to spend um, a residency there, the wonderful place. And shout out to all the organizations that have supported me over the years, the people. Um, and, um, you know, shout out to um, to the Baha'i community. I'm a member of the Baha'i community as well. So shout out to Baha'is all over the world and to uh, my larger human family. Uh, we're one human family. No matter what color, what shape or size we come into, we all come from one source from the same place. So uh, <laughs> that's my encouragement. That's my final word. And that's all I have to say. <laughs> well, the undaunted part Podcasts. What do you want to tell listeners that haven't listened to the Undaunted podcast? It's a great podcast. It is. Um, it's available on YouTube. It it, it features social change makers, um, people who are working in the space to make society a better place. Whether they're doing it in racial justice, um, through gender justice, through um, you know the environment, environmental justice, um, social economic justice. It's people who are really being creative and using their talents to make a contribution to society and make the world a better place. Yeah, I love being a part of that podcast. It's great. All right. Do you think it'll, what do you call it, get a season two or how many episodes are you in? We're in second season now. So third season would be coming up um, next summer. Okay. So, all right. You can invite me on if you want. All right. All right. We'll talk about that. <laughs> I don't know what I would say, but I mean, you know, I haven't done much philanthropy work. So maybe, but in the community for Matt Radio, if you want to talk to me about that on season three, you can. <laughs> All right, all right. We'll, we'll work something out. We'll work something out. <laughs> all right. Did you want to throw out your social media platforms and your website just in case listeners want to get to know you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at, at @olafani, which is my last name at @olafani, um, and then Masood Olafani on Facebook, Facebook.com. I'm there. Um, and then if you just if if anybody's interested, you can just uh, do a search for my name on the internet and stuff will pop up and then you can pick and choose. So yeah, that's how oh. you can do that. Okay. Any final things you'd love to tell Matt Radio Toronto? Uh, no. Hello, Canada. What's up? What's up? What's up? Uh, big shout out to Canada. I had an opportunity to be there. Uh, spent a few times. Uh, uh, spent some time in Canada on either side. I've been to Vancouver. Also been to um, Toronto and a few other places. So love Canada. Uh, so shout out to all my Canadian folks, my brothers and sisters. Just North of the border, what's happening? <laughs> All right. Well, now you know a brother named Donovan. Anytime you, anytime somebody asks you, do you know anybody in Canada? You can say Donovan. Okay. I got it. I'll keep that in mind. Thanks, Donovan. All right. For Matt Radio 1280 AM, I'd love to thank. You can throw out your name. Thank you so much for being here. I'd love to thank actor and writer. <laughs> Masood Olafani. <laughs> thank you so much. And thank you to the listeners for listening to this episode.